Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Three Under Par podcast. This is a golf podcast where little white ball is life. I'm your host, Scotty T, and I'm joined by my co-host, T-Bone. How's it going, T-Bone? feel like a thousand bucks. Oh, good. I'm ready, I'm ready for this podcast. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a good one. But we're missing KJ again. Yeah, I uh, I still don't know if I should be the guy saying little white ball is life. you got to kind of remind me that's normally his job. But uh, yeah, still on the DL, week number two. So, still no timetable. Um, <laughs> he has surgery know. on Friday. That's what we know. The story, you know, I think at this point, I think Bigfoot came in and had something to do with his ankle injury. But bottom line, he had surgery on Friday, and he is in recovery mode now. So, KJ, hope you're listening, and wish you all the best. And to a quick and speedy recovery. Man, he was saying that he might not be able to golf for a while. Like, four months. Or something like that. It sucks because he's literally missing the prime time month. He's going to miss the whole summer. Yeah. Especially down in Houston. The golf season in the springtime and the fall are the best. I mean, because it's so so damn hot down here in the summertime that it's hard to you know, it's hard to get out there. Maybe after work, you know, after that 5 or 6 o'clock round. Yeah, the twilight when sun, round. Yeah, when the sun's coming down. But, man, springtime and fall is awesome down here. And KJ's going to be missing the springtime, which... Kind of sucks, but hopefully he'll be feeling better and coming on the podcast soon. He was going to Skype in, give us a story about what went down, and kind of give us an update on his injury. He sent us an x-ray, though. Man, that ankle did not look good at all. (laughs) I mean, again, when you're on the DL for not only a podcast but a golf podcast, that's, I mean, that's got to be bad shape. It is. It is. So, uh, thankfully, he didn't go like Teddy Bridgewater with his knee, though, and where it's just... And you went in like three different directions. Okay, so there's some. Or, yeah, so there's some silver lining, the, I guess. Okay, or like, okay, yeah, I don't know. Or at least it's not like an ACL injury where he's out for a year. But, you know, he'll be back. He'll be on the podcast again soon. So, KJ, wish you a speedy recovery. We're coming to you from the Canon in Houston. So, we want to say thank you to our friends at the Canon. Uh, check us out on social media at 3 Under Par Pod. That is the number three, three under par pod across all the social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram. For right now, that's the best way to get a hold of us. Our email is also on there. So we want to hear from you. Send us an email, maybe a good golf story. Hopefully, I think there was an Arctic blast that came through. I saw some pictures from friends in Dallas, and it looked cold. It's cold down here right now. Yeah, maybe some top golf golf stories lately or indoor simulator. That's that, right. That might be all we have right now. That's right. So, yeah, follow us there. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and give us a review because we want to hear from you. And then also, but most importantly, tell a friend about the podcast. We golfed together for the first time this yeah, year in literally th- five years. I, th- It feels like we golfed together recently because maybe because we do this podcast. We also tried to play on the 4th of July in a fucking river. It was, it was like so, a mini Hurricane Harvey. <laughs> it was the most rain I've ever seen on a golf course. Um, so maybe that's why it feels like it. But Well, we have played some indoor golf together at Golf Smart. That's true. Yeah, they got the track man set up out there. We're playing 18 holes. So, But that was the first time actually on a golf course. Because T-Bone and I, we played a lot together in college. Playing club golf together, being in the same fraternity and whatnot, we were able to spend a lot of time, especially out on the golf course. And game looked okay. You kind of struggled a little bit, though, on <sighs> Saturday. Granted... For those who follow us on Instagram, the golf course was in prime condition. That was, was a stellar golf course. Crabgrass Central. It was soaked. It was borderline goat ranch. But 
Hey, we got the W. We got the W. I got a new pair of shoes as well because we, <laughs> we drove all the way to the call station to realize that I forgot my shoes in my car. And again, it's not the worst problem in the world. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, this is kind of unfortunate, but same time you get new golf shoes. I needed a new pair of shoes. The shoes that I have, I've had for a while. So it was time. I thought it was funny before the shotgun start. The pro said that it had been raining since September Yeah. in College Station. And the course looked like it. Oh, yeah. Not the best I've ever seen by any means. Right. I mean, we were hitting drives. I've, I mean, I've definitely had balls plug, but I've never had my, like, drive go into the earth. Like, and the ball was every drive <laughs> was going... It was sometimes hard to find because it was so far into the ground. Yep. Off the fly. So, yeah, not that enjoyable. But, hey, always take a W. Absolutely. We want to give a quick shout-out to the KA fraternity at Texas A&M for putting on the golf tournament. Um, it was a good time. We had a lot of fun. Uh, they were putting it in honor for a friend of mine, actually, and the money is going to raise a scholarship fund in his name. And uh, also, they built an orphanage over in Zambia. So part of that money is going to go to the maintenance of the house uh, to make sure that the boys that are living in Garrett's house over there will have good living conditions. So it's definitely a really good cause. We had a really good time out there. Like I said, we won. Humble brag. No big deal. <laughs> All right. But there's also... And, uh, a more humble brag. You carried the team. You can you can say that because I was there. <laughs> yeah, I played pretty well. I was lie. hacking it up. I was just kind of watching. Had a good shot here and there but yeah i had a few drives get away from me but irons are dialed in so i was pretty i was pretty fired up about that uh but while we were playing there's also a lot of pga tour golf that went on this weekend it was a lot of fun to watch uh i was able to catch most of it on sunday so we want to give a shout out to keith mitchell keith mitchell came in hot for the win man it was that was a lot of fun to watch on sunday what'd you think so i've talked about this before on this podcast where I feel like golf is the only sport where you are not cheering for the underdog. Yes. Ricky and Brooks Kepka, I wanted a playoff with them more than anything. And I even wanted the playoff without Keith Mitchell in it. Yep. I'd wanted only Brooks and Ricky. But then he <laughs> had to ruin it and just make a, a 15-footer to change his life and his entire career. But I don't give a shit about that. I want Brooks and Ricky in a playoff in on, in the bear trap. That, yes. w- that would be as good as it gets. But in addition, you have a great story. This guy changed his life, changes his career, but I don't give a shit just because I want to watch like these two good guys, <laughs> Ricky and Brooks. That's brutal. But, yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I was getting emotionally ready for a playoff. I was really excited for it. I mean, Ricky and Brooks, Kepka, especially what Kepka has been saying the last few weeks out in the press, like name two more high-profile guys than those outside of Phil and Tiger. But two guys that are constantly in the news, I would say if you would have thrown in JT in there, like that would have been the perfect three-way playoff for it. But unfortunately... Then we he, had old Kevin Mitchell had to ruin it for us all, except but, for himself. Man, it was a lot of fun to watch, though. You know, we've said a lot on this podcast that most people don't go out and win golf tournaments. Most people win tournaments because the leaders fall back to you. Unfortunately, that happened to Wyndham Clark. We'll talk about that in a sec. But, you know, Keith Mitchell, he came in four under his last seven holes to go out and win. That's awesome. A shout out to Mike Vaughn from last week or two weeks ago. He called it. He said about 10 under was going to win. Keith Mitchell won at nine under. I mean, to go four under like that, especially in the bear trap. I mean, it's it's called the bear trap. That is a hard stretch of golf, especially on 17, that part three. I mean, you saw BJ hit in the water on 17. Like, man, he definitely went out there and won it. And I was really excited to see that. Yeah, that I saw that shot on 17. It looked like he literally carried the water by two feet. 
and then the ball rolled to two feet. Yes. that w- He was dialed in for sure. Absolutely. So that was pretty impressive. We're going to touch on BJ here in a sec, but you know Keith Mitchell, he, he was ranked 126 in the world. It's his second year on tour, his 40th BJ Tour start. I thought it was interesting how they were saying, which it, it was, the field wasn't as strong, I think, as it has been in the past because of the schedule changes. But man, you still have Ricky and, and Brooks coming down there. And then if you're Keith Mitchell and you see Brooks Kepka and Ricky Fowler at the top of that leaderboard, and you know you got to make birdie, that takes some serious balls Oh yeah, to do that. That's awesome. I love yeah, it. Yeah, that was big time. I mean, I thought there was no way he was going to make the putt, and I thought there was no way he'd win in a playoff with them, and then he just straight up just birdied the last hole. I heard a stat. He had only made two putts outside of 15 feet all week, and then, sure enough, the putt on 18 was just outside of 15 feet and just drained it right in the heart. And that's the thing. I mean, all the birdies that he was having at the end, those putts were tracking towards the hole. They were right in the heart every single time. It wasn't like some crazy lip in or like ball hanging on the edge, something like that. I mean, it was amazing. It really was. He had only had one professional win up until this, and it was from the G Pro Tour. I don't even know what that is. I mean, I think <laughs> I think our win on Saturday was more impressive than that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with that check, he earned five thousand six hundred dollars from his first pro win, and then this week was just north of one point two million. That's cool. That's pretty awesome. Absolutely. So still with, wanted the playoff though. With, with this win, he jumps up to sixty-eight in the world. Yeah, I was definitely rooting for the playoff too. I think I think it would have been cool to if Keith Mitchell had gone into the playoff and then still beat Brooks and Ricky. I mean, but what he did was still it was as still impressive. Dramatic. Yeah, it was a blast, and like I said, it's truly life changing. He gets to play. We've talked about it a lot. He gets a two year exemption on the PGA Tour. He gets to play in all the majors now. Now he's going to be at the Players in a couple of weeks, so he gets to plan out a schedule, job security, financial security as well. Um, and it's I mean, he played at Georgia too, and that Georgia team was stacked. And he's even said that he probably partied a little bit too hard in college. So that's why coming out, you had guys like Russell Henley, who made some noise before he did. But it sounds like Keith Mitchell's every bit as talented as those guys. I was really surprised by how many birdies were coming down the stretch. As we mentioned, the bear trap is one of the hardest stretches of golf. I mean, you had Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler went birdie, birdie, finished to get to eight under. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to Ryan Palmer. When Ryan Palmer came in with the 63-7 under on Sunday, I thought he might win it. I'm not going to lie. I was like, he's finishing almost three hours ahead of the leaders. I mean, the leaders haven't even made the turn yet. And I was like, that's some bitch. He, he, he went out <laughs> and posted a number. Pressure. Yeah, I was watching it with my roommate, and I look at my roommate, and I said, if he makes that putt on 18 to get the eight under, that's really going to scare some people. And eight under was right there. Even seven under was right there. But it's really interesting, the guys who go out and post a number, you know, they say, come get me. But, you know, we touched on VJ earlier. I thought he might win, too. I mean, I mean, talk about turning back the clock. VJ Singh. Well, when you at look 56 at 56 years young. What a guy. What an interesting scoreboard going into Sunday. Wyndham Clark and VJ Singh. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's really weird. <laughs> there were some crazy stats that when VJ Singh won his first PJ Tour win, Wyndham Clark wasn't even born yet. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I mean, VJ Singh, I was thinking about it. He might be one of the more underrated players that's ever played golf, in my opinion, which is crazy to think about because he's third all-time in winnings. He's won $71 million in his career. He won the FedEx Cup in 2008. He won on the PJ Tour 34 times. I mean, 34 times. 
That's a lot. He won nine times in one year in 2004. And that's right in the heart of the Tiger era. So that's why I think he's one of the more underrated players because he was racking up all of his wins, his Masters victories, his Majors victories was during the Tiger era. But unfortunately, he that's overlooked when you got guys like Tiger Woods who are transcendent in the world of golf. Also, the thing about VJ, I kind of feel like another reason he's maybe not as appreciated as he should be is because I don't think he really has like a, a wow factor to him off the course. He reminds me of like the <laughs> he reminds me of like the nerdy kid like that I can relate to at least when I was playing junior golf and like you have this group that you play with every day and it's in the heat of the summer and you want to go swim or something. I have no idea where the fuck I'm going with this. You sound like Michael Scott right now when he's starting his sentence and he's like <laughs> just trying to find it in the middle. <laughs> Holy shit. No, I definitely understand uh, what you're saying, though. Like, should I finish my story? Is it just going to be weird now? It's going to be weird. Yeah. But you want to finish? Stop. No. Let's okay. Just go. Well, VJ, you know, whenever he, he's kind of like, uh, he's kind of like Kadeki Matsuyama. Whenever he hits a really good shot, he just shows no expression still. And he looks like he's pissed off at every single shot. Also, low key, he had that supposedly cheating incident. I mean, in the golf, that's like the worst thing that you can ever say about anybody. And we're still kind of talking about it now that. That shit travels with you, unfortunately. But, you know, if he would have won, they probably would have kept showing all the workout videos that resurfaced this last year. You know, him, like, just going to town on that tire iron over there. He's such a goofy dude. Like, his workouts, all <laughs> chipping cross-handed, his weird-ass putting. Yeah, did you see the way yeah. he, his, he was putting? Man, I thought Adam Scott had putting issues. And then you see BJ Singh out there. It's like almost the belly putter but he's going cross-handed he's keeping his glove on you mentioned when he's chipping he's chipping cross-handed who does that but i feel like he's always kind of done stuff like that i know at one point in his career is when he would make impact at the ball he had such a bad like hook problem that he would let go with one hand yes so yeah literally li- yeah yeah because our golf instructor always, do- always talks yeah, about that he would always he would let go weird. of his right hand on his follow-through yeah which is just insane but yeah he's a goofy dude amazing career that's super under the radar because of Ty- Tiger and also I think him just being a weirdo that I don't know no well, one wants to yeah you know, I think VJ I think VJ really personifies the fact that golf it's a scorecard not a postcard it doesn't matter what you do on the golf course as long as you get the ball in the hole that is all that matters so it was cool seeing VJ almost turn back the clock a little bit I don't know if we'll ever see him really in contention like that on the PGA Tour again. As we mentioned, he's 56 years old. The reason why he's able to play is because he has that lifetime exemption on the PGA Tour, which is interesting in and of itself. He definitely, I mean, guys like him definitely deserve it. That's why it's out there. He's like the, he's going to be like the Ichiro Suzuki of golf. (laughs) He's literally just never going to hang it up until he's in a fucking walker. Just, I mean, he is already old. He's 56 (laughs) and he's still playing, but I don't see he's that still guy playing ever. At a high level, though. Yeah, I still don't ever see him retiring. Yeah, he's going to be like Gary Player at the Masters, just retire when he's 90 or something like that, when he literally can't walk up the hills anymore. But uh, I do also want to give a quick shout-out to Wyndham Clark. He played in the founder group with VJ. He's a young guy, first year on the PJ Tour, made it up from the web.com this last year. You know, Wyndham, I don't know him personally, but he's a friend of a friend, and so I was definitely rooting for him. I think he'll be able to learn from this experience, though. I mean, you're, when you're playing with guys like VJ on the final group at a tournament like the Honda Classic, he'll be able to take away a lot from this, I think. Well, I want to give a quick shout-out to our honorable don't mention. 
the person who finished DFL goes to Robert Streb and Andrew Filbert. Robert Streb, you've probably heard his name. You know, he's been around on the PJ Tour for a while, turned pro in 2009. He, he has actually won on the PJ Tour before. Last year, he kind of bounced back and forth between web.com and the PJ Tour. Look, some guys don't have the best week. That's why we give him the shout-out with honorable don't mention. I thought Andrew, I I thought Andrew Filbert was an interesting story, too. He's an assistant pro out at... I'm not going to try to pronounce this golf club name because I'm going to butcher it, but uh, he is an assistant pro in Naples, and he won the South Florida PGA Omega Player of the Year. So that's why he was able to compete in the Honda Classic. It's always fun seeing those assistant pro guys teed up there with the touring pros. It's crazy how good they are, too. Oh, yeah. They're so good. So underrated. And then they come in last place. I think that kind of shows how good the tour pros are, too. Yeah. That when you have a guy, especially in, in Naples, which is a golf mecca in Florida, uh, an assistant pro out there who won a player of the year in Florida, you know, try to tee up with these guys, it's hard. That's one thing I love about the PGA Championship, too. You know, every tournament kind of has the little quirks of who gets to play in it. For example, the Masters, their founder, Bobby Jones, was an amateur. They really highlight their amateurs at the Masters, which is great. The PGA of America, when they put on the PGA Championship, they love highlighting their they're club pros, which I think is pretty cool. You know, they're kind of the unsung heroes, the guys who make clubs run and, you know, give lessons and everything. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Okay. So we're going to get into a couple headlines that we saw throughout the week, and then we'll transition to golf gossip here. So a couple headlines. You know, we touched on Brooks Kepka earlier. Man, Brooks Kepka was in the news this week. He comes out there and pretty much just starts speaking his mind. Which is great because Brooks Kepka is one of those guys, we've touched on it, he's so low-key. We said earlier, name a more low-key two-time major championship winner in one year. Besides Brooks Kepka, I can't think of any. And so he said, quote, you're actually probably getting the real me now. He was basically shitting on all of the rules, on all the rule changes, and slow play. We've touched on slow play earlier. I love it. I love it. What do you think of Brooks Kepka finally speaking his mind? There's like no way any other golfer can really challenge him with what he's saying. He just has so much cred in like every aspect. His game, his looks, his fucking muscles, like he's the man, but no <laughs> one knows it. And now he's starting to like make a personality and kind of a really who he is. Yeah. And I, I think, think it's awesome. I think he's always had that personality. That picture surfaced of about a month ago or so of him in the man thong. Yeah, too. he's like, to, <laughs> to let it rip. Absolutely. I think, I think it's awesome. Well, he said, I feel like now where I've put myself in the game, I've kind of established myself. I feel like I do actually have a voice, and it will be heard. I can do that now. When you've won on the PGA Tour, you can really say things that you really wouldn't be able to say. So I guess he was trying to pull the PC card, you know, lay low, get those wins, and... Sure enough, now that he's three-time major champion, he's speaking his mind, and I love it. It's it's also weird with golf that with any other sport, this is causing drama. Like, your team won't win, and then you have someone talking shit or making problems or something, and it creates a lot of conflict. When you're just a badass golfer, and you have everything going for you, and you talk shit about stuff and speak your mind, it's awesome. Because it's, I mean, it's just you that's got to back it up. And I think Brooks Kepka is someone who can handle both of those aspects, like, very, very well. Absolutely. Yeah, Brooks Kepka, man, he's, I love how he only kind of shows up during the majors. I think he's won once or twice on the PGA Tour besides his U.S. Open and PGA win. That's amazing. 
and which is why he was in condition at the Honda Classic because he even said it was playing like a major championship venue. So Brooks Koepka, keep speaking your mind, man. Keep speaking your mind. I just hope it's authentic, what he's saying. But I think it is based off everything that I've read and heard so far. So there's one other headline I want to touch into before we get into golf gossip. I was reading a headline on golf.com and it was these golf course raters. So people who rate golf courses, you know, the scorecard, when you're playing golf, you see a slope and a rating. Essentially, that tells you how hard the golf course is. And there are people that go out there and do that for a living. I think that'll be a pretty badass job if you ask me. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> for sure. Especially if you like, if you're a married guy and you hate your wife, you're like, sorry, honey, I gotta go play play <laughs> golf this weekend. Sorry. I guess you could get out of it because it's work. I don't know. I think it'd be a good job. Absolutely, it'll be it'll be a kick-ass job. But the headline was something along the lines of, "What are the most overrated and underrated golf courses in America?" And I was shocked of how many people said that Augusta National was the most overrated golf course in America. Are you kidding me? It's it's, it's Augusta National. I know. I got I got I got upset when I saw the headline. I guess maybe that was the point of Golf.com releasing that articles to. To fire up people like myself, but it's Augusta. It's Augusta National. What? No, 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 no. That's wrong. Augusta National is like so kick ass. That's like saying the American flag is overrated. Wrong. Yeah, they're just wrong. Whoever said that, I don't believe them. They're wrong. Augusta National, keep doing what you're doing. You know, I I bet you the the membership of Augusta National probably doesn't even see headlines like that. They have so much money, they just don't care. They'll just give the bird to anybody who talks shit about their golf club. I kind of feel it's like amazing. they're so old, they just read the newspaper, too. <laughs> they probably don't even look at stuff on the, on the internet, but... Yep. Yeah, so, they're wrong. Whatever. They're wrong. Let's move on. I, just, I don't want to give these people any more attention. So we're going to transition to golf gossip now. So golf gossip, again, it involves the USGA and Justin Thomas. They got into it. So I want to preface this. The USGA sucks. Everybody who's listening, I hope you know my opinion on that. I made it very crystal clear, I feel like. But there are a couple of rules instances that happened this week. By the way, did you see Ricky Fowler with his drop? He was kind of making fun of the one. He was like, he acted like he was pooping out the golf ball. Yeah, that was (laughs) phenomenal. That was amazing. Anyway, there was Alex Cheka. He got DQ'd in the first round for, quote, using greens materials that did not fit the new scale. So apparently... Part of the rules changes was that, you know, the PJ Tour players have their books that they read on the golf course or while they're reading greens. Bryson DeChambeau is probably the most famous for doing that because he has all weird things <laughs> on, a lot. on his little book. He's got a periodic table and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, he tried to use a freaking compass yeah. at one point. Anyway, so Alex Cheka, apparently he was using the one from last year for the Honda Classic. And it had like the wrong pins on it as they touched on they redid the greens in the meantime so it was probably just completely wrong and off the scale no value no exactly no value no gain no at nothing. all but it broke the rules so they dq'd him which i think is bullshit and then same thing happened to adam shank with another caddy rule violation he was in the bunker trying to line up i guess his caddy was just standing behind him and they said that he was lining him up i didn't like that at all bottom line he got another penalty for it. And so JT comes out hot on Twitter. It was amazing. Sorry, T-Bone. This is your segment, so I'll let you take it from here. Hey, whenever there's USGA, I'll let you step in for the gossip because I know that's that's what you're really passionate about. So I'll let you take the first half. But, hey, 
I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. Okay. Not because I'm playing devil's advocate, more because I just don't really like Justin Thomas, and I kind of think he's a bitch. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know who to believe in this situation. So, JT started tweeting about these different rules situations, and the USGA responded, hey, we've reached out to you three times to have a meeting about this, and you haven't responded. And then JT responded, no, you haven't. That was basically the story. Yep. And it's kind of a he who said what. But it sucks because I want to take a side, but they're they're both not good. I mean, most people would like to take JT, but I just don't like him. I think what probably happened <laughs> is that they were sending him a notification and he was too busy checking his Snapchat or uh, Insta filters because, you know, he he takes a lot of selfies and I feel like he really is worried about his image and his skin complexion and all that shit because I, I just don't like him. <laughs> I don't trust either. I think the USGA continues to make bad terrible rules that are penalizing people for not doing anything that gives them an advantage. So unfortunately I may have to side with JT on this, but anyways, it's, it's a, uh, it is a juicy story when, you know, you have one of the best golfers in the game and the biggest golf organization in the game. Essentially button heads. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's a, it's kind of a, he said, she said situation here. You know, when the rule came out that, Adam Shank was going to get penalized. JT quote tweeted and said, hashtag grow the game. Pretty funny, <laughs> I think. But then, yeah, so it was the, the USGA PR communications account, which I didn't even know they had one of those. You know, the PJ Tour does, but I didn't know the USGA did. But they tweeted out that they were like, JT, like, we've tried to meet with you. You've canceled on us three times already. You know, we love to meet with you. Um, and, I mean, because the players, they don't like these rule changes because they feel like, A, it makes them look dumb. And they're having a lot of infractions about it. I guess to play devil's advocate for the USGA, if your livelihood depends on golf, you think you would know the freaking rules, especially the rule changes that are going on. But going back to the players, they feel like they didn't have their voice heard. They feel like that the USGA didn't consult with enough players to see what was going on. When the USGA said, hey, JT, you've canceled on us three times, JT responded back and was like, I've been on the road for three weeks. Like, I don't, I haven't canceled any meetings at all. And, and he's been busy experimenting with Instagram filters. He has. He has. His social media game's pretty strong, though. <laughs> I dig it. You People don't. say strong. I think it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't like him. Essentially, I think it all stems up. There's a strain of the relationship between the USGA and the players. You see it a lot for the U.S. Open. That's when it mostly comes out. You know, last year, you, if you remember, Zach Johnson said, oh, they've lost the golf course. I'm like, okay. It's the U.S. Open. It's supposed to be the toughest test in golf. I didn't have an issue with the U.S. Open last year, actually. But there's just so much controversy that surrounds the USGA. They can't get their shit together, and the players are calling them on it. And I think it was kind of good for the USGA to fight back a little bit because they've just been getting dumped on Oh yeah. since these rule changes. Do you know why they can get dumped on, though? Is because in other sports, they shit on the refs, and the refs have a lot of authority with what happens. With golf, you only have so much authority with the rules because you're really responsible for the rules yourself absolutely and yeah. there's no there's no one else that's that's governing you yeah when so you're i think that's playing. why you have so much opportunity to talk shit to the usga because <laughs> at the end of the day there's not a whole lot that they can do with when they make bad rules absolutely yeah it's not like you're playing in the nfl or the nba where 
you know, if you have a foul that's called on you in the NBA, the refs call it. Like, if you're an NBA guy, you're not going to call the fouls yourselves. But that's one thing that makes golf great is that you have to call the penalties on yourselves. But it is getting to that point a little bit with these two-shot penalties with the caddy just glancing or walking behind them or an old yardage book. So I guess they're kind of getting a little more authority, which is what's making the sport worse mm-hmm. and why players are bitching. Right. Yeah, and if you're watching the the PGA Tour on, on a week-to-week basis, you see like a rules official, whether he's from the USGA or mostly the PGA Tour, the guys who are supposed to know the rules. If they have a drop question, you know, you'll see a guy come out there and be like, hey, here's the drop thing. I think the players really started using that to their advantage, A, because they don't want to play two balls, and B, once people started calling in from the broadcast and be like, It'll be a few days later, and they'll be like, hey, actually, I think it took an illegal drop here. They're, I think the players are like, okay, we, we don't want that to happen again, which I totally understand. But, you know, pace of play has been in the news as of late. That slows up pace of play. It's just... Also, it's, it's, just it's, a quick side note. Isn't wrong. the head PGA, like, tour official, rules official, his name's Slugger? Yeah. Why the, I mean, of course you're going to have problems when you have Slugger <laughs> in charge of the rules. <laughs> We think we have problems. Yeah, the head of the rules of a major sport is named Slugger. <laughs> is that just me or is that... That's pretty great. That's I pretty mean, great. It sounds like some old hick redneck that's just... Yeah, he took an elite... I don't know. It's it like just, it's like when you're talking to a kid and you're like, Hey, good shot, Slugger. Yeah. Over there, but he's... It's in. never a real person's name, but <laughs> it is for the head of golf rules, so... Yep. So, well, it'll be interesting to see how this U, how this JT and USGA situation gets worked out. I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a winner or a loser with this situation, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, JT will meet with the USGA. I'm already kind of getting sick and tired of talking about the rule changes on this, but you know, if it's in it's in the news every week, I think that's the problem. Is that there's not a week to week that goes by where there is not a rules controversy, whether it's an illegal drop, a caddy violation, a freaking putter whatever the hell happened with with Alex Cheka like that's what fires me up because that's such a bullshit rule anyway so that's golf gossip (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna wrap it up a couple of quick things that I saw Michelle Wee had the had the WD this week which sucks you know if you've kept track with Michelle Wee she's had some injury problems and specifically this time it's a wrist injury and this was her first tournament back now Michelle Wee is a very very interesting story child phenom of the LPGA tried to play on the PGA tour essentially but then realized she needed to win first on the LPGA I think finally got that major championship win it's a pattern of history of injuries it's a tale of those time in sports really and now she's dating Johnny West I hope he's icing it for oh nice <laughs> I don't like that so we wish you the best Michelle we would definitely hope that she'll that she'll get right all right next week we have the honor Palmer Invitational and Tiger's not playing. It came out today that Tiger is withdrawing from the Honor Palmer Invitational. He skipped the Honda Classic this week, and now he's skipping the Honor Palmer. I mean, it's been, it's been too long since he's not been injured. What, I a mean, full year? Yeah. I mean, that's a <laughs> long time these days with him not being injured. I mean, I think at this point in his career, he's so damaged and fragile that he could have sneezed too hard, and that's what hurt his neck. Yeah, he said, I'm forced to withdraw from the Honor Palmer Invitational uh, due to a neck strain. 
He's had it for a few weeks and neck strain, and he's receiving treatment, but it hasn't improved enough for him to play. Like I said, he's he's banged up, man. He's had a he's had so many back surgeries, ACL surgeries. He had his spine fused together. So the fact that he's able was able to win the tour championship last year was a miracle. And the fact that he's playing golf at a high level is a miracle as well. And it's something like a neck strain. I wasn't expecting to take him out this week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But, I mean, at this point, it's just got to be really precautionary. And obviously, at this point in his career, is just trying to milk out as many majors as he can. The Honor Palmer Invitational is a tournament that pretty much every tour player wants to play. It's an honor of the king. I mean, Honor Palmer, he's a legend. In the golf world, and Bay Hill is a great course. Tiger has had a lot of success at Bay Hill as well. So, it's a, if people were expecting him to win before Augusta National, this was going to be the one that probably a lot of people were, were betting on. But you know, it's a bummer when he's not playing. What's your pick? Who who are we thinking for this week? I'm gonna go with Kevin Kisner for this for this tournament. Kiz, baby, he's the man. Seems like a good old boy. I'm on the Kiz train for this week. I love it. Yeah, I looked into this a little bit. Francesco Molinari, he's had some past success here. Why not go with Francesco? I mean, look, at the end of last year, he was playing some amazing golf with the Ryder Cup, Open Championship victory. I like the pick. He'll look good in the red cardigan. (laughs) Yep. So those are our picks for the Honor Palmer Invitational. Rory McIlroy is is the defending champion. I don't know if he'll win, even though Rory's playing some amazing golf at the moment. But I'm on the kids' train, and you're on the Francesco Molinari train. I like we need it. to start throwing in some bets at some point, but maybe we'll brainstorm this next week and then keep you all posted on a bet that, that we'll have lined up. The problem with picking of who wins a tournament from week to week is that it's nearly impossible, in my opinion, because there's so many good players that are out there that anybody can win on any given week. Yeah, KJ wanted us to give him a shout-out because he picked Keith Mitchell. To win this tournament of all people on sunday on it's sunday that's the problem though he texted us sunday morning and goes hey i think keith mitchell's gonna win it doesn't necessarily work like that you got to pick the winner at the beginning of the week so to his credit he thought he was going to come back and win which he did anyway all right so we're going to close here with our john daly quotes of the day john daly said i enjoy the ooze and the oz from the gallery when i hit my drives but i'm getting pretty tired of the oz and ooze when i miss the putt they could have said that about me this weekend, too. <laughs> the if, resident ripper of the golf ball T-bone here. Yeah. If I had a crowd, though. I, I guess I need the crowd first. But, yeah, every three or four drives, I would have had some oohs and ahs. But I did have oohs and ahs on every putt. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So, thanks for everybody who's tuned in. We got an episode dropping on Thursday this week. It is a guest that we were able to get on. We talked to him last week. We had a really great conversation. His name is Chris Hart. He's the CEO of Next Gen Golf. We talk all about what Next Gen Golf is, what they're trying to do to grow the game with everybody uh, at the college level, the young professionals level, as well as the high school level. We had a really good conversation. So check us out on social media at 3UnderParPod. That is the number 3, 3UnderParPod on Twitter and Instagram. You can DM us there or our emails listed on our profile as well. Send us an email. If you have a good golf story, we'll read it on the air for you. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe and write us a review and give us a five-star rating. Tell a friend about the podcast. We're doing this because we love golf. We love golf. We talk golf all the time. We play a lot. And... No, hopefully you'll enjoy our commentary enough to want to tell a friend. Well, thanks again for listening to the 300 Part Podcast. Where a little white ball is life. <laughs> <laughs>